up guys? Welcome to the Care Coach Lead Show. This is Andrew Frezza with Melissa Dixon. And today we're gonna to be talking about how to run a great kids class or program at your facility. And uh, this is something that we didn't do for years at, at Fittown. We uh, did adult classes, mostly focused on CrossFit at first, finally added Beach Fit, our boot camp program. And then throughout the years, like off and on, we would do kid stuff. If we had a coach on staff that was excited and motivated to do it, we would run it. Um, but now it's become a legitimate part of our business. And part of that came up because when we rebranded Fittown Jupiter and what we wanted the brand to stand for, it was really about having a local impact on our community. We want to be able, you know, the name Fittown is about bringing fitness and health and wellness to our local area of Jupiter and Nequesta. And we feel like, okay, well, we can't have an impact on our local area if we're not impacting the next generation of kids and teens. So Melissa has pretty much been the person pushing this forward at our gym and she runs a program for nine to 12 year olds, is that right? Eight to 12. Eight to 12 at our gym and it's been a huge hit. And I wanna talk about some of the elements that has allowed that class to thrive, both from an attendance perspective, but from what the kids and parents are getting out of it. And then I also want to talk about how this translates to just good coaching in general and how like nutrition as an example, how it helps us simplify nutrition, even for our adults, when we learn how to simplify our message for our kids. So we're going to talk about some, some of the big elements here. Where do you want to kick it off, Mel, and, and introduce this topic? So I think, I mean, starting in the beginning of class, starting at even before class starts, um, the structure of the program is really important. So if you're gonna run a good kids program, you have to decide even before day one, class one of that program opening, how you are going to set rules for your kids, set the structure of the class, and you know, the, not just the, the lesson plan formatting, but start to finish what you're going to do with those kids. So I look at the overall structure in terms of my day-to-day -day and how am I progressing these kids through their skills. So two main ways I think about structure. Um, the structure of the class, the rules, their expectations, how are they supposed to show me that they're listening and respectful to me? Um, we follow, I was, I came up with youth empowerment systems. Um, I was trained through that program to coach kids and something I really took from them is the confident knee. So when they're expected to be in a listening position, they are in a knee, they take a knee. And it's not just about taking a knee, it's about showing me they're ready to listen, showing me they're paying attention, um, showing me that they're filling themselves up with confidence when they're in that posture. So that's a big expectation in my class is that at all times when I call you over to class, you are expected to listen from a confident knee and that's how I know you're giving me your full attention. Yeah, you're you're definitely not afraid to sort of call people out and not in a like bad way, but just to really show that this is an expectation of the group. And I often hear you coming back to you know, that doesn't look like a confident year. I don't know how you say it specifically, but you're, I can hear you calling it out from upstairs when you're running these classes to make sure that they are hitting that and it's not just something you say once and then hope they do it, you're always coming back to it. Yeah, and, and not just that, like you're saying I, I enforce it, but balancing consequences, it, it, it's one thing to set an expectation, but then you have to follow through with it 
through some consequences. So it doesn't have to be a, you're gonna do burpees or run laps if you're not doing X, Y, Z, but showing them that they are being a non-example and investing in that kid and telling them, I know you want to be a good example, show me your best. And they can straighten up when you're asking them to be the good one in class, you know? Um, kids will really perk up in that way instead of singling them out to be a bad example, turning them into a good example in that moment is huge. Yeah. What are some of the other things on the structure side besides the confident need that is a way, I could see this as like, it's a way for the, I think kids really thrive when they have clarity, they have an expectation. So there's an expectation through the confident need. What are other parts of class where they have expectations on them to do something a certain way? So every skill has been built out into levels of achievement. So they know what's next in that skill. Before you do an air squat, you need to show me you can do a wall sit. Before you do a rope climb, you need to show me you can hang on the rope for a specific amount of time. You need to show me that you can position your feet right on the rope and let go of your hands before you can get up the rope. Before you do handstand walking, which every kid, I don't know what the appeal is, but every kid wants to learn how to walk on their hands. Every adult does too, so I guess I see the appeal. But they have to show me that they can kick up into a handstand on the wall. They have to do shoulder taps. They have to do certain elements and pass certain skill levels before they can start to learn the next thing. So it's really black and white for a kid of, hey, if you can't do a chin over bar hold, okay, well, I don't think we're ready for a pull up yet. Okay, I, we should be working on ring rows. We should be working on your grip strength. We should be working on the levels that are underneath it to get you to where you need to go today. Yeah, I think most coaches intuitively understand that because that's the way they've kind of bucketed their adult clients, but it's taken to another level in your classes where they actually have a sheet that they fill out and they see the progression laid out for these key skills. Maybe not every skill that would show up, but most of your skills are laid out with a progression and they have to get their star marked off, right, in order to move on? Yep, so they, have a, they actually have a sheet for every level and every level has two segments to it, level one, level two, to get to the third and the fourth, to get to the fifth and the sixth. And until they fill up all of their sheet, they don't move on to the next one. It doesn't matter how many skills they have in X, Y, Z. They can test up in those other skills, but they're not moving up in the levels until they complete the entire level. Gotcha. How often do they get an opportunity to test? I try to do testing at least so we have three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday in my program. I'll at least have one star test a week of something, but I'll usually have two or three, maybe four, depending on what it is. So I'll, it, it's in buckets. So if it's rope climbs, I might be doing test one, test two, and test three all in one day mm -hmm. because I want, I want them to be able to get a 10-second hang, a 20-second hang, a 30-second foot lock. Um, I'm going to test all of those no matter how many times they pass it or do not pass it within that. I'm going to let them test all of those at once and it gives them an opportunity to see like, hey, I didn't get the 10 second last time and I just got it this time or vice versa. I got a 20 second last time and this time I can't even hang for 10 seconds. So should I rope climb today even though I've passed my test before? Mm. So gives them, you know, maybe we did pull ups on Monday and I'm rope climb testing them on Wednesday and they're not capable because their hands are just fatigued still. Yeah. So let's go back to, or let's move on to character development, which is my favorite part of this program. And again, something that we really incorporated from this youth empowerment system. 
and it really comes off of this confident knee. You get, you get the kids really in a good position to listen, getting them to understand how their body language relates to their mindset and who they are, their personality. So how do you then bring in the character development pieces? So for me, this brings in the element of making my kids' class a team sport. So we talk a lot about being teammates. We talk a lot about, we, we function like a team in the fact that in the beginning of class, I'm talking to them about a skill or a trait or something that's going to make that day wrapped up very nicely with a bow tie. So when I'm programming for my kids, I'm looking at what am I developing in them today physically, but mentally as well. So I like to use that mental nugget in the beginning of class with a little chat. Maybe we're talking about failure because it's a big star test that a lot of kids fail, like the rope hang. So if we're going into that rope hang, I'm telling them, hey, I'm excited for you guys to fail today. Do we love failure? Yes, and making them excited to see where their limit is. Because my kids know that we want you to fail. We want you to get to the point where your body can't do it anymore so we can find that limit. Now we do that safely. We don't do it with like a deadlift or a back squat. But when we're talking about gymnastic movements or hanging in their grip, we want to find that limit. We want to see just how far they can go because a lot of times they surprise themselves and go further than their expectations and they're so excited at where they failed, it doesn't feel like a failure. So um, we, I pick out those things like grit and tenacity and persistence and perseverance, things that we really want to dig into that are going to relate to what we're working on in that day. Maybe it's a huge, long AMRAP kind of workout where it's going to be tough and they're going to have to grit through and they're really going to have to dig deep or they're going to have to use positive self-talk to get through it. So we practice that in the beginning of class. We talk about it in the beginning and then we wrap it up in the end with that, hey, what do you feel successful on today? What did you surprise yourself with today? What did you do that made you proud? And really go through in the end of class, reflecting on what we did and how we did it to really drive that home. So just like a team gets a, gets a chant at the end of class, you know, they put their hands in the huddle and they cheer their team name, like we do the same thing. We'll say grit on three and, and really get them pumped up and leaving, you know, with that pride. Yeah, and you also do a lot of I am statements mm -hmm. where you're saying, I am confident, I am blank. How does that get incorporated? Is that part of that chanting at the end or is that separate in a different part of class? So this is something that I picked up on from the YES programs, the youth empowerment systems, and, and I absolutely love it in the way that kids will be shy with it at first, but then you see it show up when you don't ask for it. So just teaching them and giving them reps of positive self-talk. So if we're gonna be doing an 800 meter run test or a mile run test, some of my kids run mile run tests, and before we go, we'll line up and I'll have them put their hand on their heart and we'll say, I am strong, I am confident. Well, we might be saying the word of the day or, or the thing that we're working on. I'm, I am excited. So we talk about you know, how they can take this into their lives in school. If they're going up against a big math test or a state exam and they're feeling nervous, telling themselves I am nervous is not useful. Telling themselves I am prepared. You know, I am ready. I have studied. Those kind of things. So I've, I've seen them do this. I had a, one of my 
girls is in a cheer competition and she actually said I am strong I am brave before her cheer competition because she was so nervous and I am ready I'm excited and got herself really ramped up and and they like took second place in the competition they didn't drop any of their stunts they were super stoked so it's just funny to hear parents come back to me and tell me where their kids use this outside of the gym when they learn it here yeah it's it's amazing and I love how those those key elements really are my favorite part of the program. And we found little ways to incorporate some of that stuff into our adult classes. Um, and I, I just love it so much. So um, let's talk about education, because that's a big part of this as well. And nutrition is probably the thing that you're educating on the most outside of just workout stuff. How do you simplify education for kids? And how do you make it fun and not like slow down the pace of class either where it feels like a seminar and no kid wants to do a seminar. Yeah, nutrition can be very preachy, but I think the, the key with kids is just utter simplicity. Like it has to be stupid simple. And it, this is where it starts resonating with parents because they're like, you, you always say, you know, like proteins, carbs, and fats and things that, you know, like seem so high level. But when you say it to the kids, I just, I get it. And I don't know why it's so much easier. I'm like, because it's simpler. <laughs> so um, I think the three main things that I focus on is talking about ingredients. If you can just talk to a kid about making a better choice based on the ingredients of, hey, what's that made of? They can, they can tell you. Mm -hmm. They may not be able to read an ingredients list, but the fact that it has an ingredients list or it doesn't is telling. So mm -hmm. single ingredient foods. A banana is a banana. That's definitely a better choice than a graham cracker because a graham cracker is made of 17, 18 different ingredients smushed together. So not that a graham cracker is just garbage, but if you want to look at how to make better choices, the best choices are single ingredient foods. That's going to lead you to whole foods. Mm -hmm. the, the next thing that I, I go to is like colorful stuff. So we always talk about eat the rainbow, and obviously that's not Skittles. <laughs> Every kid will yell at you that it's Skittles. <laughs> but um, we, we play like a game at the end of class where I call it the rainbow game. So we'll have classmates go head to head and I'll shout a color in either fruit or vegetable and they'll have to name stuff. So they're, they're not just, they're participating because they don't want to get burpees as a penalty for making the same answer or the wrong answer, but it also quizzes them on their food knowledge and, and how deep that goes. And they challenge themselves outside of the class to explore more colorful options, I'll, I'll tell them, like, tell me what something colorful is that you've eaten today or this weekend, or go eat something colorful and tell me what it was, something you've never tried before, because we talk about color as being nutritious, color having the most benefits for your body. So if it's not cake frosting <laughs> that's colorfully dyed or a candy, something that's natural, something that's one ingredient that is made from the earth colorful, that's going to have the most nutrition for your body. So making sure that you're adding plate um, color to your plate is a huge one too. And then the last one on that is, I know you talk about, you will talk about protein, fats, and carbs and what those are. Yeah. How do you approach that where they don't have to download MyFitnessPal? <laughs> well, we talk about the reasons why you need different things on your plate, that you can't just eat all chicken. Because there are some kids who just want to eat only meat. And there are kids who just want to eat only fruit, you know, like a fruititarian. <laughs> so we make those jokes in class, but we talk about why it's important. Your 
muscles need to eat muscles, mm -hmm. right? So we talk about protein being the muscles of animals or nuts and seeds and, and um, you know, certain parts of plants and vegetables, but mainly muscles need muscles. So even simplifying it that way is something that's really powerful for the kids to just relate. And then, you know, your hair, your skin, and your nails. So we talk about carbohydrates being your energy, not just sugar, mm -hmm. like in the form of candies and cakes, but we talk about eating the foods that make you feel the best. So you don't have to get to the hormonal or cellular level with kids on things of how sugar's gonna affect you. You can say, how do you feel after you eat a candy bar? And they're like, so great! And yeah. you're like, yeah, but for how long? And they're like, yeah, you wanna sleep afterwards. And you know, we crash and they'll tell you how it makes them feel. They're in tune enough to know that they try to fall asleep in class if they eat a candy bar at the lunchroom. So they're smarter than we give them credit for. You just have to bring it to their level and tell them like, how do you feel after you eat an apple? You know, you eat an apple and you don't really feel that much different, but you don't feel bad. You know, like you feel balanced, you feel good. So we talk about, you know, the way food makes you feel, but we also talk about how to make your plate really balanced. So looking at every meal, it needs to have a protein and a fruit or a vegetable and, and making it that simple and taking the fat out of it because they're going to get fat through their meats. They're going to get fat mm -hmm. through their cooking methods. Um, we talk about fat as energy storage, but we don't really talk about fat other than like avocados and oils with the kids too mm -hmm. much. It's a little bit higher level. So they're probably going to get what they need through just basic what we need fat for. And fat for immunity as well. I'll talk about a little bit. Yeah. But Okay, so they're getting uh I mean I love that for nutrition. I think that's such a simple way for us to think about it. You know, most it's funny how many adults haven't even gotten that far what you just summarized or there's adults that have so much knowledge about nutrition. They've heard so many things that they're just confused. And when you can bring that approach to them, they're like, "Oh, that's so that's like a relief to be able to simplify nutrition down to that." Um, you also have the education built in with the character development. What are these traits? How do you develop them? What other, if any, ed education elements are there to what that, that person's going to get? Is there anything in terms of exercise or lifestyle besides the fact that they're doing that? with us. Yeah, I mean, the mindset traits, like the character development lends itself to that like mindset development of like, just the mental toughness of like, you know, nutrition takes mental toughness, not to eat cake at a birthday mm -hmm. party. Okay, we, you can have cake, you know, you can balance your lifestyle, you can balance your habits. Um, we also talk about like why sleep is important, why stretching is important. Um, stretching is a controversial topic for kids because overstretching can lead to injury. So we stick to like stat, like not a lot of static stretching, but more dynamic and flow type stuff. Mm -hmm. But just teaching them about their growing bodies of why I can't touch my toes anymore. Of your bones just doubled in size overnight, <laughs> you know, because they're they're going through growth spurts. They're going through different um, different feelings and, and hormonally and growing hair in places. And they're they're struggling with a lot more things than we remember struggling with. Um, so those kind of things just kind of lend it back to that gaining confidence in myself and my abilities and taking the pressure off of what I look like and how my body's changing. It just really gives them a lot of, a lot of um, mental toughness to deal with other problems in life. Yeah. And then the last element that you try to bring in every class is some element of fun to it. And I would say that 
even the stuff that we've gone over, which is very much these things that we want to impart on the kids, they're in it. Like, they're excited. It's fun. But then I think it really helps to have these elements in the class that are true fun, that are true play, where you know the kids are just laughing and having a ball. What are what are some of the ways that you incorporate that? Um, definitely partner-based workouts. Like when they get to work with a friend and they get to do things together. Um, usually in an adult class, that means you're going to work out extra hard. In a kids class, I'm sacrificing a little bit of that. I know they're going to be kind of waiting on the next partner or, or talking or but giving them that license to, hey, you can have this fitness with a friend and work with each other or work side by side or do together. But really the fun comes in when it comes to games. So I am a stickler for having a game at the end of every class. So it's really important to me that we work really hard, we dedicate ourselves and they earn that game by their respect, by their behavior you know, by sticking to and giving me their best in their star testing or in their workout. And then at the end of the game, I dedicate, you know, 10 to upwards of 10 minutes, sometimes 15 if the workout's really hard and intense and we kind of cool off with the game and then get a little sweatier in the game later. Um, I have to end with a game because sometimes they are not accepting failure. Sometimes that workout is really tough and it is going to be something that could push a kid over the edge and out of the program. So I wanna make sure that every kid leaves with a smile, leaves feeling like they accomplished something, leaves having fun and make sure that they equate fun and fitness together because a lot of us grew up with, oh, you, you you did something bad in baseball, go run poles. You know, mm -hmm. like teaching them subconsciously that running is a punishment or, you know, that fitness is hard and bad. And it, it is hard, but if they don't enjoy, if they're not bought into that, I like hard things, I like to do hard things, this helps ease them into that and leaves them feeling like I want to come back. So it's, it's a carrot, definitely a carrot, but it's also another way to extend fitness because that game doesn't have to be, you know, a cool down. It can be something that is an extension of fitness. So a lot of times I'll play like a deck of cards game mm -hmm. and adults like this too, where the whole workout is a game or it's a game day and, you know, we get to use playing cards and it's random and they get to do it with a friend and run around and it's chaos, but it's still fitness and they're so sweaty at the end of it. Um, or friendly competition type games at the end of class. So it, it's always a good way to leave them feeling accomplished and feeling like they want to come back and do more because they had fun. Yeah, I love that. What's your, so what's your favorite game? What's the one you go to the most? <laughs> um, Battle Station Dodgeball is one of them where I put the huge gymnastic mats up so they can hide behind them. And it starts with one player throwing a dodgeball and everyone else in class. So if you can imagine this right now, because we've blended our programs, we have myself and Tony coaching. Mm -hmm. we, have, we could have potentially 24 kids in the class and we have a big facility to host it, but we'll put three big ab mats up and let them hide behind it. And every time I say go, they have to switch stations. So they're at the mercy of getting hit with a dodgeball when they're not hiding behind a mat. So if I catch them hiding behind a mat when I say go and they don't move, they have to get out. 
if they get hit with a ball, they have to get out. But once they get out, they become a thrower. Mm -hmm. So by the end of the game, you have every single person throwing dodgeballs at one person running back and forth hiding. So you want to be the last man standing, and then last man standing gets to become the first thrower, and then everybody else becomes hiding by, for the dodgeballs again. Sounds like a great time. That sounds like my kind of day right there. <laughs> it's a really sweaty end of the day game, but the kids love it. And the kids love the, the kids love ridiculously simple games like pizza delivery with the ab mats. Mm -hmm. You know, old school, CrossFit style warm-up game, they go gaga for the most basic things. So it doesn't have to be something elaborate and extensive. Just go with what your kids like. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, so to wrap up these four elements is the structure, that respect element that you have, the, the rules. Number two is that character development piece. Three is the education and specifically around nutrition is where we focus. And then four is fun. I think that that really those four elements lead to an amazing experience. The other thing I, I think is an important piece is that we run ours in seasons, you know, usually in six to 10 week seasons. And we've had a lot more success with that as opposed to having um, like longer timeframes where it's just ongoing. And this allows parents and kids to commit, know that they can do it based on sports schedules and school schedules. And then when there's a season where they're busy, they can opt out. Yeah, that, that's really given me a lot of freedom too, especially in the summer, um, to make sure that when people are traveling, when people are out of town, that we're, it's not a monthly membership, like something where people are gonna have to be putting it on hold, they can either buy in or buy out of it. And I think that's one of the things that's allowed me to have so many repeat and, and consistent kids who have been in my program for almost three years. The summer will be three years for some of them. So it's been really long lasting for us. Nice. All right, well, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you in the next video. Hey guys, it's Andrew again. So I really enjoy working with gym owners and coaches and it's really my passion to raise the game for coaches in our industry and help gym owners succeed. And in order to do that, they're gonna need great coaches on their teams. So coming up soon, we're gonna be launching the next cohort of our Rockstar Coaching Intensive. So if you're a coach out there that is looking to raise your game, especially if you're someone that's in their first couple of years of coaching or maybe even brand new to coaching, this is gonna be the perfect opportunity for you. And if you're a gym owner that has coaches on your team that fit this category, or you have potential new coaches, maybe an intern or someone in your membership that you want to hire, but you have no system for developing them and getting them up to speed, this is gonna be a perfect route for you to do it. So if you guys are interested, click on the link below. We'll be starting that next cohort soon. And I look forward to working with you guys in a nice one-on-one -on -one and group setting.